This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? We are winding down the week. Hope you are, as always, focusing on tons of self-care, lots of joy and pleasure, and as much rest as possible. That is mental health. And also just trying to live as authentically and as liberated as possible. (laughs) My gosh, watching all the different things going on in the news, I was posting on my social media a couple different things. So um, we have a battle going on. (laughs) All the politicians. It's so fascinating watching people target uh, AOC. Also, of course, watching what's going on with trans rights, watching some politicians continue to try to deny trans individuals access to health care and rights. A lot of legal battles going on. Um, really heartbreaking. We'll continue to report on that, but I wanted to, the rest of the show is going to be a little heavy. We're going to be focusing on it's at National Eating Disorders Month, and we're going to be focusing on looking at our relationship to uh, gym culture and diet culture, the toxic forms, right? So we call it toxic gym culture and toxic diet culture. And it's going to be difficult. We're really going to have to look at and examine our relationship to food and eating and our bodies and exercise and working out. But it's meaningful because when we look at the stats, which we'll be reporting on when we come back, you're going to see how much it impacts individuals, but uh, especially and including men. It's just a little bit of a different form that it takes. Um, You know, there's a time decades ago where we used to focus on being a good person. And now we're so focused on how hot am I? What does my body look like? And um, it's a mess because it's to the detriment of our actual health, because any definition of health has to look at the impact of whatever we're talking about on mental health. And if it's not mentally healthy for us, well, then it's not health. We cannot call it that. Um, and a lot of toxic gym and diet culture ignore mental impact. People are anxious. People are stressed. They're in- engaging in literally, literally engaging in disordered eating that we've familiarized and normalized and people don't even realize it. Is fasting disordered eating? Yes. Are cheat days disordered eating? Yes. Is calorie counting disordered eating? Yes. We're going to talk about all that. It is not rooted in mental health. So we're going to be talking about coming from a health at every size perspective, an anti-diet perspective, and really being body positive because that's where mental health is exists and only there. So we're going to be talking about all that. Um, but before we, we get into all that, I wanted to share something with you. I was looking at Zoom fatigue and it's something a lot of clients I'm working with are coming up with, as am I, because we're doing work on our laptops, uh, whether it's going to school, whether it's our job, whether it's a combination of both. And some articles, this is coming out of Stanford. It was looking at, well, what's this about? Well, first off, this is longer and more sustained eye contact than we are ever ever familiar with. And it's true. When I'm in my office, I'm making eye contact, breaking eye contact, looking down, looking away because they're in front of me. It's not as awkward. It's not as obvious. But on Zoom, we are forced to maintain 
a strict level of direct eye contact for longer periods of time than we're familiar with and maybe might even be comfortable with. So what we want to do is we want to allow our, ourselves to maybe shrink the screen down, um, not be so close, and also allow breaking of eye contact. Also, right, there's um, a difference between what we do in the real world and on Zoom in that in the real world, we're not also forced to look at ourselves. And so there's something, there's an impact of having ourselves on that screen, which is what things like Skype do. There's a little image of ourselves. And so we're watching ourselves. And that's not good for our mental health as well to be tracking our expressions, how we're sitting, what our hair looks like. Because not only does it distract ourselves from what we're doing in the person in front of us, but it's really bad for our mental health. And so sometimes we need to push it away far enough where we can't see as well, or maybe shrink that screen down or remove it. And also some people are talking about turning the cameras off when they're not needed. Oftentimes we only need the audio and we don't wanna have to worry about seeing ourselves, how we look, keeping that eye contact, or even having to stare at the screen that long. It is bad for us to be staring at screens that long. And it might be good for us to put in headphones or just turn off the video. We don't need the video, especially with things like school. That's a lot of surveillance. That is a lot of literal surveillance on ourselves and on ourselves from others. So the cognitive and emotional load is heavier. You know, real time, like I said, we're farther apart. We can't see ourselves. We're breaking eye contact. It's far different. So we need to maybe turn ourselves off camera, shrink down the screen, take time away. All that's really important because people are freaking exhausted. And none of these tools were meant to have a negative impact on us. They were meant to make our lives easier and help us continue to participate in some of the things that are going on in our lives. Some good news though, Mr. Potato Head. Remember that thing? Remember that guy? Gender neutral. It was a matter of time. I love that. It's more honest what's going on, more inclusive, but we're going to have a gender neutral Mr. Potato Head. I love that. Other good news, Adidas bans fur and commits to sustainable materials. I love that they're getting away from the violence of murdering animals for the materials and using more sustainable means and fabrics. And we need big companies like Adidas to do that, to step in and do that. We have fashion designers like Stella McCartney and a bulk of others that won't use animal materials. Um, I know fur was banned. You cannot sell fur in the city of West Hollywood. That was a good move, and that's happening in other places as well. So we always wanna celebrate and support companies that are doing that. That's phenomenal. And finally, more reporting on the Britney Spears documentary, which I haven't seen yet, probably won't watch, but it's fascinating to watch the list weekly of more men that are coming forward saying, I mistreated her, I wasn't kind to her, I sexually objectified her. <laughs> I mean, I love the accountability, but more importantly, I hope we all learn from that, that even if someone's famous or a celebrity, how we interact and interface with them impacts them, especially at the hands of other celebrities, but just let's normalize that in our own lives, right? That people's mental health is the impact of how those around them have treated them. That's literally how our self-esteem is created. So let's take that as a message to be more thoughtful and caring with those around us. Um, she is someone who has walked into, I believe, a lot of mental health issues that would not have been there on her own genetically were she not in the spotlight. And so it's, it's, it's another example of the impact of social, toxic socialization. But all right, coming up next, we're going to be uh, getting into our focus on National Eating Disorders Month by looking at toxic gym culture and diet culture and ways to be healthier in our relationship to food and our bodies. So uh, stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, we're going to be spending the evening talking about eating disorders, toxic diet culture, toxic gym culture, 
And uh, just to kind of front load it, we are participating in National Eating Disorders Awareness Month, which includes looking at and examining the impact that uh, the wellness industry, diet, and also gym culture, how it impacts our mental health. And uh, know that mental health includes body positivity, body neutrality. And again, uh, I know I'm going to have to maybe say this a few times, but I want to just call out, it's not to imply in any way that anyone who needs a special diet because of uh, medical issues or due to spirituality or environmentalism like veganism, that is not what we're talking about. Also, I'm not saying that going to the gym is bad. I go to the gym. It's toxic gym culture, the toxic form of um, that world and its norms and its values. Now, what's so insidious about all this is that it's been normalized. And that's why it's important that we talk about it. Some of the things I'm gonna share with you that are actually disordered eating um, or you know, trauma to our body and our psyche are things that people have normalized where you're gonna say, oh my God, I didn't realize that that was not part of mental health. That's something that they advertise on television, that doctors themselves recommend, that all my friends and family members do, and my goals for us to improve our mental health. And so we're going to be diving deep into that and also looking a lot also at how it impacts people that are male, male bodied, male identified, um, trans men, uh, people that are maybe butch. We're going to be looking at it because that's a population that's often left out of this. There are people that actually believe people that are male do not have eating disorders. And that's very far from the case. It's just that sometimes it can show itself differently because of gender training. And uh, because we assume if someone quote unquote has a gym body that they're healthy and that's far from the case. And Another reminder that we can't use the word health if we're not including mental health. And if something is detrimental for someone's mental health, then we cannot call it healthy. We can't. And, um, you know, we know that diets have a failure rate of about 95 plus percent. They don't work. And uh, so we're going to be unpacking that. But I wanted to start by just talking first about looksism. I know it's a little bit of a funky word, but it's just this whole idea in our culture that we really prioritize how we look. And we prioritize those that look the way we think people should look or that look in the ways we define as looking good. And that we shame people that aren't attractive or don't look quote unquote well. So there's so many buzzwords you're gonna hear that are born out of this. Uh, health policing, which is this idea that we think we have the right to track and weigh in on whether or not someone else is healthy. This word healthism, which is the prejudice around we think everyone's goal should be to be healthy. No, people have a right to say, I know this is not healthy and I wanna do it anyway. That's up to every individual. And we, we, we don't believe that. And so we'll say things like, oh, it's okay if someone's larger bodied as long as they're healthy. Well, no, it's okay that they're larger bodied, period, full stop, end of story. Everyone has a right to live their life in the way they want. And more importantly, everyone has a right to have their mental health honored, which is people withholding their thoughts and feelings about other people, especially when you're trying to police someone's larger or fat body. We somehow think that we have a right to intervene and we don't. Um, we need to kind of do some impulse control and boundaries around that. So. You know, we live in a culture that really is obsessed with beauty. You know, we have anti-aging processes and, and, and serums and creams as though aging is something we can be anti or against when it's a natural part of life. And we talk often on the show about how beautiful it is that people of different genders are saying, I'm not removing my body hair anymore. 
Um, I'm not going to obsessively feel as though I can't allow acne to exist on my body. I'm not going to battle that anymore. There's models that have female models that have unibrows and body hair. There's bearded women often uh, from having PCOS, which is a medical condition that can lead to excessive hair growth, but they're saying, I'm not gonna live in shame around it, I'm not gonna hide, I'm not gonna shave. They're modeling. There's people with different, uh, differently abled bodies that are maybe only uh, someone has one limb and, and they're no longer gonna sit in shame and hide that and they're modeling. And it's just a beautiful time where we're really breaking out of this one way to be attractive only, right? And we're trying to normalize all the different ways that someone can live in the world and feel beautiful. And that's, that's mental health. And that's hard in our world to be someone who stands outside of that, you know, but we shame people based on their age. We shame people based on their body size and shape. We shame people based on the color of their skin, thinking lighter is better. We shame people based on their gender presentation, right? We shame people for being too masculine or too feminine. We shame people for being too tall or too short. We shame people for being differently abled, right? With different abilities. It's wild. We shame people for the size of their anatomy and sexual organs and body hair. It, it's a mess. And what we need to do is call out those microaggressions. We need to call out the subtle, smaller forms that are just as dangerous and traumatic and abusive and oppressive. We need to call them out. We need to shut down the jokes, right? Because that's what normalizes. That's what makes it familiar and accessible is letting these things exist. So we have to call out when people are talking problematically or making jokes, right? We want to support companies that are honestly and truly trying to change these things and hold space for everyone. The beauty industry, the fashion industry, the gym industry still is really problematic and oppressive and toxic and still tries to give us one version of how it should look and we should be, right? We want to think critically and look at our own relationship to ourselves, how are we participating in the same systems? How are we strengthening the same systems that oppress us and other people, right? What are the ways that our lives are centered around trying to always look attractive and be beautiful to the detriment of putting time and effort into other important, meaningful things, right? When we really look at how much of our time and money goes to the beautification of, of ourselves rooted in the values and norms that have been given to us, thinking we have to lighten our skin, remove body hair, get rid of body fat at all costs, feel shame and hide certain parts of our body, try to get rid of stretch marks. All of these things that are just part of the natural human condition, right? But we're not given permission to just live in our bodies as they are. We're told that it's not enough. We're told that we always have to be improving it. That's part of toxic wellness culture and toxic forms of self-improvement. Ah, should we always be working on ourselves? No, I think it's okay to sometimes just be content. We talked about that. Happiness is contentment. Letting ourselves just be how we are, who we are, and where we are. We're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to keep talking about what is the work we need to do to end eating disorders and body dysmorphia. How do we learn to just let ourselves be and others be? All right, we're coming back. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're focusing, you know, born out of National Eating Disorders Month, we're going to be talking about our relationship to dieting and the gym and our bodies and talking about disordered eating and the beauty industry and the wellness industry. There's so many different systems that feed into each other and support each other. We're going to work on analyzing them all. And this is going to be something that's triggering for some people because you're going to learn about how some of the things that you think are healthy actually aren't, that they're not mental health centered. And if something isn't rooted in your mental health, well, then it's not healthy. Anything we're doing, if it negatively impacts our mental health by making us more anxious or limits our socialization or makes our life smaller, it's not healthy. 
even if it leads to losing weight or more of a gym body. No, it's not healthy. But yes, it might have by detriment had you lose some weight, but that shouldn't be our goal. And we're going to talk about the impact it has on all different kinds of gendered bodies because that matters too. So let's look at some stats. I want to really drive this home. Four in five men, four in five, discuss their appearance as being distressed. So that's about 87% have distress about their body image. Women, they say about 75%. So that's surprising to some people that in some cases, men have a higher rate where they're paying attention to how tall they are, body hair, penis size, musculature. These are all the different factors. All genders are part of that system and impacted by it, right? 60% of men remove their body hair. That's rooted in shame. That's absolutely rooted in shame. It's rooted in a world that tells us we are not allowed to have body hair. Women as well. But 60% remove their body hair and 55% admit being ashamed of it. Women have gotten more familiar with that, but they still do it in service of fulfilling a gender role, right? And men are, are, are in that bucket as well. Well, for some people, it's gender affirming to have body hair, and that's phenomenal. I'd love us to all move in that direction for everyone. <laughs> Let it be affirming of our humanity. <clears throat> but we want to be aware of the, these different systems that all interject in, and, and, and feed into each other. You know, diet and gym culture, the diet industry and the, and the gym industry, they profit, they make money, they only exist with them driving home the idea that we need to be other than we are and that we need to be better. They would go out of business if we believe that we are okay as we are and that what we eat and how we move our bodies, that they should be rooted in what gives us joy and pleasure. And that's what it really should be about. What should I eat? Whatever will make you happy. Should I move my body today? Yeah, it's good to move your body. What should I do? Whatever makes you happy. Maybe you're just gonna dance a little bit or walk or roller skate. I've, I love it. I have a client that roller skates for movement and health. I personally had to reorient my relationship to the gym. I go when it feels like it makes sense for me. I leave when my body tells me I'm done here. When I get there, I say, what do I feel like doing? What sounds good to me? Because all I need to do is move my body. That's where health comes in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so much what you're doing as much as that you do something. And so I let my body, my body guide me. It's intuitive exercise. My body tells me when to start. My body tells me when to stop. My body tells me what I feel like doing, but it takes work. It's like intuitive eating. We eat when you're hungry. You stop when you're full, but we have to reconnect with that. It's very foreign to us. It takes a long time, months and months and sometimes years to get back to being able to even pick up on our body signals and to trust them. So it's a life's work because we put in our entire lives thus far doing the opposite, ignoring what our bodies want, learning to sit still through school, um, moving our bodies a certain way as maybe a dancer or an athlete. Our whole world is centered around forcing our bodies to ignore what it is they're requiring or asking of us. And so we're moving back towards our body's signals, right? We're trying this radical act of accepting and befriending who we already are and trusting the intelligence of our bodies, which our bodies are very intelligent in that way right? Shaming never leads to health or change. And that's part of what a lot of these systems and cultures are built on. The gym culture and diet culture is based on you feeling bad about how you look and think you need to look a certain way. That's shame. That is not mental health centered, right? So that leads to body image issues, disordered eating, exercise disorders, right? It's so vast. It's so vast, but there is, we can dismantle it. I work with people all the day. Excuse me. I work with people doing it every day. It's powerful. Now, men tend to be on the disordered eating and the over-exercise continuum. Now, a lot of people do, but that tends to be where men fall. 
one in three eating disordered people are, are, are male, one in three. So higher for women, but men are in there as well, one in three. And for men, there's a higher mortality rate, meaning there's a higher risk for death. And this was a really heartbreaking stat that I read. 90% of teenage boys right now, 90% of teenage boys exercise with the goal of bulking. That's, that's basically them saying, I have shame about how my body naturally is, and I'm engaging in um, uh, uh, this process of shifting so I can feel acceptable and attractive and legitimate and, and confident. It's body modification. I don't feel okay as I am. And it's often driven by anxiety and low self-worth, as evidenced by the anxiety with not being able to continue or needing to take a break or, or not having access, right? That, that's the sign that you're in disordered eating or disordered exercise is when there's anxiety, right? And you have to maintain it. We're gonna keep talking about it. We're gonna talk about some of the signs and some of the ways to battle it. But first we have to take a break and we're gonna do a DM. But when we come back after that, we'll continue talking about our relationship to diet and the gym and wellness culture because there's a lot of work we gotta do. All right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Vincent and I've recently figured out that I am into men. Growing up, I was very sheltered, farm life, no TV, bam, something beautiful in that at the same time. I mean, you missed out on some forms of socialization and education, but you also missed out on a lot of poor socialization and education, a lot of television, bad messaging, uh, truly. I have since moved to Chicago, however, whenever I tell men my age, 34, and that I've never been with a man before, they kind of laugh, won't even give me a chance to explore myself. Question is, how do I get other men to take me seriously? How can I start dating in a world where I feel like I might not belong? Ah, yes. We often have to go up against other people's maturity. I would stop telling people you've never been with a man. I don't know that they need to know because I don't know what it is that you're trying to communicate and telling them that. Are you trying to say, what, be careful with me? Um, I... I think that's really coming from your lack of confidence. You don't, you're, you're unsure that you can be the gay man that you need to be. And you're wanting to tell them that so that they take it easy on you. But I wouldn't tell them that because that's not a thing. You know what I mean? I would just be who you are, flirt with people when interested, go out on dates and explore. But when people share about being, uh, you know, not having had sex or, you know, new gender exploration, it, it puts pressure on the other to somehow accommodate or to see us differently. And I don't know that you need that or want that. I want them to treat you the way they treat you. And whether you're new to liking men or not, they should still treat you with love, care, and respect. And so I don't know that there's a difference. And I think you're seeing it as though there's this difference if you had been or hadn't been. And you still get the opportunity to just explore. I wouldn't share that. You know, everyone who's a good sex partner enters every sexual dynamic a virgin again, saying, I don't know who this person is. I don't know who I'll be sexually while with them. I want everyone to have that newness, right? So there's an honesty in it, but like, I don't think you should already identify yourself as an issue or a problem from the, on the front end, which is kind of what you're doing. If, if you're getting a negative response, then the way you're leading with it isn't feeling good to people and they're feeling like you're a debt, like it's a detriment and I, and it doesn't have to be, you know, get, get rid of this idea you know, and just be in Chicago, be excited to be in a new place, be excited to meet new people, be excited to explore, but let go of this narrative that you're somehow a detriment or broken or need to be treated differently. 
there really isn't a, there isn't, you wouldn't necessarily be different had you maybe been dating more in the farm life. Maybe confidence might be there or some skill sets, but like people are just relating to people and every gay man you meet is going to treat you differently because everyone's just different, you know? And so don't, I wouldn't make an issue out of something that isn't an issue. I don't know if I'm, I'm struggling to make that clear, but that there isn't a thing in that necessarily. You know, you should still be expecting the same things from them and they should still be expecting the same things from you. Just be present, be caring, be available, be vulnerable. But I don't know you need to bring that up right away, you know? Let them know who you are now, the amazing, confident person you are. And at some point, if it makes sense to say, yeah, you're the first person I've dated that's a man, say that. But I wouldn't lead with that. You know, we tend to lead with things that make us anxious so we can get approval. And I don't think that's a fair expectation to put on the other person to be okay with something that you're not even okay with as evidenced by you anxiously disclosing it to get approval, right? Just step outside of that whole dynamic and just flirt and get to know them. That isn't the normal thing that comes up. Most people aren't asking how long you've been gay, how many people you dated, like stay away from that even if it does come up, but it shouldn't. It should be like, who are you in the world? What do you do for fun? What are your value systems and ethics? What do you do for work? Why? Because that's an important part of our identity. That's what we do for 40 hours or more of the, our time during the week. Like live in the moment. You're not, you know, you're creating a dynamic that's not actually an issue. But welcome to the sexual world, man. Have fun. Have a lot of sex. Date a lot of people. Go through all the sexual, relational, developmental milestones that you haven't yet. And there's a gift in that because you're not going to have the trauma and the baggage that people that have been doing it longer have. It makes them sometimes harden you're still staying curious. So stay curious and stay open and don't keep carrying this narrative that there's something different about your bad, all right? Okay, again, coming up, we're gonna keep exploring toxic diet culture and gym culture, uh, National Eating Source Awareness Month and how to have a healthy relationship with food and exercise in a world that keeps it really toxic. Uh, you'll be, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Okay, so we're talking again tonight about toxic gym culture, toxic diet culture, right? National Eating Disorders Month, which is a springboard around this topic. So let's talk about some of the questions we can ask ourselves. What are some of the things we can ask to assess, gosh, whether or not we maybe have disordered eating going on in our lives and disordered relationship with our body in the gym? First one I always ask people to kind of ask themselves is, how do you feel if you miss the gym? How do you feel if you can't eat <clears throat> food from your diet? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Are you stressed? Well, that might be a sign that you have a disordered relationship with your body or food. Do you go to the gym and work out when you're sick or injured? Again, if so, that might be a sign because a healthy relationship to food and our bodies in the gym, if we're injured or we're sick or retired, we're like, yeah, today's not the right day to do that because that would cause harm to my body. My body needs to rest. Someone would say, if I miss the gym, great. That's okay as well. No loss. Another question, do you skip important social events to go to the gym? Do you put people first or the gym first? Because people should come first. Joy and pleasure should come first. Fun and hobbies should come first. But if you skip events, leave early, don't go, won't travel because you want to have access to your workout in your gym, you might have a disordered relationship. Do you shame yourself when you skip or miss a workout? Do you punish yourself? Oh, I ate too much. I'm going to have to do more cardio. I didn't get to the gym yesterday. I'm going to double up today. You've then weaponized working out. You've now made it a punishment. That's not what we're supposed to do. Working out should be done for the joy of it because it feels good to us and because movement is good for us. That's the purpose. Not to do it, not to look a certain way, but to enjoy it. Right? Do most of your thoughts 
or your conversations have to do with your body, the gym, your eating, or a diet plan? If so, disordered eating. And finally, do gym, exercise, and diet dominate your life? Because that's not what our life is meant to be centered in. It's meant to be centered in relationships, socialization, joy, pleasure, purpose, and meaning. Not that it can't provide some of that, but often it does so to the detriment of our mental health and those other important factors, right? Mental health first, relationships and socialization first, joy and pleasure first. So those are the questions you have to really sit with and ask yourself, right? It's very, very, very hard because for a lot of us, we've normalized those concepts. We've normalized orienting our lives around the gym or eating. You know, some people are afraid of going on a date because they'd rather work out or they're afraid of going on a date because what am I going to eat? I'm going to have to actually just eat something normally off the menu or they miss out on participating in a date or social event. I'll just watch you eat. I'll eat when I get home. That's, that's disordered eating. That's also limiting the joy and pleasure in your life. That's not mentally healthy. It's also not fully participating in the event. That's notice. That's a disconnection. That's anxiety. Because a lot of this is actually a rejection of our mental health. It's a rejection of our body. It's a rejection of the date. It's a rejection of the moment. You know, mental health is being in our body. It's being in the joy. It's being in the moment. It's being in the relationship, right? So let's talk about some of the different disorders that come out of exercise because I want to give some special attention to men. Because again, this is something that's often seen as a disorder of women. Exercise anorexia. Jesus described people who feel compelled to exercise beyond the point of actually what would benefit their body, right? It's about weight control. Exercise bulimia. It's about the, it's basically the binge, and purge, the binge and purge cycle, but done via exercise, where following high eating sessions, you know, moments in your life where you ate a lot, by working out as a way to purge what you just consumed. Muscle body dysmorphia, right? Where we never feel like we're big enough. It's called bigorexia in some circles, right? It's about really shaming our natural body and always pushing to be bigger. You know, and the key signs you'll hear is preoccupation, always thinking about and talking about. Anxiety, if we can't have our diet or going to the gym. Checking our body, it's called body checking. We're constantly looking and weighing and touching and feeling. Also noticing mood swings that come and go that are around this and anything that's rooted in restriction. Anything that's restriction or deprivation is not rooted in mental health. But these are things that are normalized. And these are some things that people have gotten a little too familiar with. And these are things that some people have had brought into their social lives. You know, part of the work is about really setting those limits and boundaries with ourselves, but also those around us saying, hey, I'm going to stop you. Let's not be the, the social group that's always talking about what we're eating, of whether or not we're working out. That keeps us obsessed or that triggers, you can say, my own relationship that I'm working on improving. Let's not do that. That's a huge part of this. We need to rest, right? We need to connect to the joy and pleasure. Sometimes we need to do, we need to do less, you know? So again, we're assessing the rigidity. We're assessing the anxiety. We're assessing the perfectionism. We're also looking at how it limits our participation in what we're supposed to be doing, which is just living our lives or being on that date or being on the trip, right? So these are all the things. So you have to have that difficult conversation with yourself. When we come back, we're going to talk about what are some of the steps we can take because it is about reorienting your thinking, uh, reorienting conversations, but also changing the way you're participating and showing up in your own life. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then of course, as always, we're going to close out with some DMS. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. 
boop, right in the DMs. And uh, Loveline, you can check out past episodes by going to wearechannelq.com, scrolling down, looking for my face, clicking on it, and they're all there. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, tonight we're doing a little bit of a gentle dive into toxic gym culture, toxic food culture. You know, a lot of things are normalized and, you know, have been made to seem as though they're healthy no matter what. But a lot of these things aren't. And we can't we can't drop too deeply. So I want people to do continuing research. And just remind everyone that if you're feeling as though these things are an issue for you, reach out and get involved in therapy. But I want to remind you, you do need to be careful the kind of therapist you work with or even the personal trainer or kind of dietitian you work with. I always recommend people, as, as wild as this sounds, you want to work with an anti-diet dietitian, anti-diet, or H-E-A-S, a health at every size dietitian. And they'll see, they will use those keywords on their social media or their websites. You want to look at for someone H-E-A-S, health at every size, because they'll know that health can exist at every size and that being smaller body doesn't make you healthier and being larger body does not necessarily make you unhealthy. That all bodies have the capacity of being healthy or unhealthy based on factors that are not visual. We don't send our, our primary care physician for our physical, just a snapshot of a shirtless we go and we get blood work done. They listen to our heart and our lungs. There's a multitude of things that are done. Labs are done. It's far bigger than visual, right? So you want to work with an anti-diet dietitian, a health at every size dietitian. If you work with a therapist, you want to make sure they also employ those models, that they're body positive, that they also understand those principles. Be very thoughtful. And also, same thing with a trainer. If your trainer, their website is just pictures of weight loss, talking about calorie counting and fasting, um, that's not going to be the right trainer for you. You want to work with a body positive trainer and they will also communicate that. You'll see diverse bodies on their website, webpage. They will not be talking about weight loss or calorie counting. They'll be talking about how you feel. They'll be talking about your energy levels. They'll be talking about strength and mobility. Look for that. They're out there. Harder to find, but they're out there. Um, all right, so what are the things we can do? Now, again, these are the things I'm recommending that you do on your own while recognizing that some of us need a lot more care and support. And for most of us, we should build community and reach out to a therapist. But for those that aren't ready yet or don't have access, here's some things we can do. First off, we have to re-educate ourselves. So we have to go through the difficult process of unlearning all the things we've learned. And that will mean re-educating and reading. Get books that are rooted in the body positivity world. Get books that are rooted in intuitive eating, right? Get books that are all about body love. You need to surround yourself with that. You need to start to hear messaging that says right? That how you look isn't as important as how you feel and your energy levels, reorienting that. Also, you have to take some solid actions, right? Part of that is unfollowing social media accounts that are rooted in all of this so that you're not being forced to think about it, to encounter it, to be triggered by it. Unfollow all the people that are talking about weight loss, calorie counting. You're going to have to follow a lot of the fitness accounts, unfollow them, and instead start to follow body positive accounts, health at every size accounts, anti-diet diets. There's so many things out there that will help you reform a better relationship with your body. You're also gonna have to live differently. You're gonna have to set boundaries around certain conversations, being very thoughtful about the way you're letting people talk about themselves and you, because as they talk about themselves, you're forced to encounter it and think about your relationship to that. I don't let people in conversations with me talk about or shame different kinds of bodies. I don't want to hear about their workout routine or weight loss. I don't want to hear about their fasting or calorie counting because I don't want to think about that. I don't value that. I don't follow people that are posting gym selfies because I don't care and I don't want to continue to believe that I have to look a certain way to be healthy. 
right? You also have to work on sex positivity. Body positivity and sex positivity are, are tied. They're, they're powerfully tied. And we'll talk more about that in another show. You also have to work on building community. You have to have the right kind of people around you that will live this, embody this, reflect this back, that can support you. No matter what we're talking about, literally whatever we're talking about at any point, we will need community. We need to be with like-minded people that help us problem solve, that strengthen us, that hold us up. That's important. We can't dismantle or unlearn anything without building a new community. Practicing healthy habits, doing intuitive eating and intuitive exercise. What do I feel like eating? Getting reconnected to those feelings of hunger and fullness. Eating things that make us happy. And then moving our bodies and exercising based on what makes us happy. Following our body. Our body will tell us when to start, when to stop. Only doing things that we enjoy. Right? And so the goal is not always going to be this like preset, step-by-step, step-by-step structure. It's going to be more about listening to our bodies and letting joy dictate us, pleasure, freedom. It is very hard because thus far we've been trained to believe that our worth and our achievements and our value as a person is tied to the body we have and how we look. And our bodies are just a vehicle to get us around the world. Our bodies are a way we connect and relate to others, but they're not an achievement. And we've been set up to believe that they are and that how we look and our body's shape and size speaks to our worth and our value. And that is not true, right? Health has to include mental health first and our body shouldn't be what we use to find our worth and value because whatever you need to do to change your body is a sign that that's not what your body naturally wants. And so it's a fighting battle and that's why diets fail because you're trying to force your body into a caloric state of deprivation and thinking that somehow it's going to feel good and work over the long term. The work is about going back to our body's signals and what they need. That's the mental health perspective. So that's moving away from food rules and food exclusion, right? And food anxieties and overtraining and punishing ourselves for eating with an extra workout or cardio and calorie counting. You know, things like cheat days is disordered eating because it's called binging. And we binge and need cheat days because we've starved and been anorexic and restricted leading up. We will never be mentally healthy living in a state of constant restriction and then giving ourselves a binge day as a reward because then we're making eating a reward for having restrict ourselves and we're telling ourselves food restriction and deprivation is a good thing to reward and that none of that is true. I don't want us to value and honor restriction. What does it give you? Abs, big deal. What, what does that actually give you, right? We're, st- we're trying to step outside of that. We're trying to step outside of that perspective. All right, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna continue our discussion about diet culture, the gym, and that's all brought forth by it being National Eating Disorders Month. So stick around. And then we're gonna close out the show with some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're closing out our discussion of uh, eating disorders, which are centered in toxic gym culture and diet culture, and just looking at how our culture is so obsessed. And it's very much rooted in an industry that makes money off of telling us we have to be other than we are. A lot of the ideals and the tools that are born out of those toxic systems have become normalized in our culture, where people are actually very familiar hearing about uh, binge days that we call a cheat day, or fasting, which is actually anorexic. And uh, we get trapped in the binge purge cycle by restricting our eating and then binging or working out to punish ourselves for having eaten. 
and we're missing out on the joy of our lives. We're missing out on mental health, which is how does that system feel? Everyone I work with that's trying to step out of it comes into treatment with me because they have fear and anxiety around their body. They're tired of constantly having surveillance around their body, weighing themselves, checking themselves. They're exhausted. They're tired of having anxiety about going out to eat. They're working out and going to the gym even when sick or injured. They feel like their worth and value is only tied to looking young and having a certain kind of body and they're burnt out and they're tired. They're depressed, they're anxious. It's a losing battle. 95% plus of diets fail. And a lot of these gym routines that people use for body modification to get the body they think they need to have to be acceptable isn't sustainable. And they get injuries and they overtrain or life shows up and they're not able to maintain it. And then they sink into depression because of that. And they're not fully showing up on dates because they don't wanna eat what's there. And they say, I'll eat later, I'll eat when I get home, I ate already. They're missing out on the moment, on participation. We have to push back on all of this. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. Move your body as often as possible. Do what feels good. Start and stop when it feels like it's enough. You know, intuitive eating, intuitive movement and exercise, really being body positive, really taking care of and loving our body versus battling it, right? It's a losing battle. It's about loving our body as it is and taking care of it, but not getting into these restrictive processes that we've normalized or these binging processes that we've normalized, right? The fun has been taken out of movement and exercise. Exercise immediately makes people think of something stressful and exhausting. It doesn't have to be. It can be fun. It can be fun. That's why I don't do group fitness. I want to go to the gym listening to the music. I want to listen to in my headphones. I want to work out as long as my body tells me it wants to work out. And I let my body and pleasure dictate what I choose to do. I do what feels fun. And I leave when it's not fun anymore. My body's had enough. That is mental health. And we want to work with dietitians that are anti-diet dietitians and dietitians and therapists that understand health at every size and are body positive and trainers that are body positive and aren't going to talk about weight loss and calorie counting and starvation and macros, but they're going to talk about how does it feel? What makes you feel strong? What makes you feel good? Let's just move our bodies. Let's get more comfortable and familiar with our body's signals. Health is a very complex thing and it's not aesthetic or visual. But the diet and gym culture will often let us believe that it's a visual thing. And someone will show their, pull up their shirt and be like, look, I've ripped abs. And they'll be like, oh, you're so healthy. We don't know that. That person might have heart disease. We don't know how healthy someone is until we've checked their heart and their lungs and their blood pressure and done lab work. We have no idea by just looking at them. A larger body does not mean you're unhealthy. A smaller gym body does not mean you are healthy. It doesn't work like that. There's so many different factors that matter. Socioeconomics is one of the top ones. Genetics matter. Other lifestyle acts, right? And sometimes the gym and diet culture is very classist. Not everyone can afford healthy food or a gym or childcare to go to the gym, right? Not everyone's able-bodied and able to get into the gym. I even see how the gym's set up. If you're fat or larger bodied, you often can't even get in between machines or comfortably sit on a machine. But yet those same people that build those gyms will shame, shame larger bodies for not accessing the gyms, even though the access isn't even provided, right? It's not just calories in and calories out. It's mental health. How do you feel? Is there joy in your life? Are you feeling stronger and better? All these things should empower us, not disempower us. And I see people's lives oppressed and limited as a result of this. And freedom is definitely on the other side. But again, like I said, we have to look at what we're following on social media. We have to look at the messages that we're participating and giving to our friends and our friends are giving to us and the conversations that we obsess about. We have to look at if we have a healthier version of community that can help us 
re- retrain our thinking. We have to re-educate ourselves and read different materials. We have to choose different coaches in our lives or maybe even a different therapist. I get nervous when I go on a therapist's social media and I see that they're posting all these gym body pics. How does that person understand body positivity, right? Because they themselves are trapped in it, right? We, we have to do better and then we have to lead better. But we also have to be better friends and family members and stop commenting on people's weight and their appearance and start talking about how do you feel? How happy are you? Focus on those elements, right? There's so much we have to do. It's slowly changing. We're seeing more inclusivity in fashion, in the you know fitness world, but there's more needed. But I want individuals to identify these struggles in themselves so that they can then say work to be done and maybe even enter into some therapy, right? This is our mental health. Health is supposed to be more global than just physical. We'll keep talking about it. It's something that's very important. It's very present in our culture. Question night. It's up on our Love Energy page in the stories. Weigh in on that. And uh, coming up next, we're going to close out the show with some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page in the DMs. And um, want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can go to wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I'm having a hard time figuring out if I'm in love with my friend. Trying to figure out if you're in love? Yeah, we usually know. You are, you're not. It's a little more meaningful. But, or if I may just be in love with the idea of someone like her. Ah, there's the caveat. We've known each other for about a year and a half. She's been my first gay everything. She took, my, she took me to my first gay club, gay pride, all pre-COVID. Now, we don't see each other as often we did as we did because of the pandemic. But I find every excuse to call or text her. Sometimes we talk all day. Sometimes we walk once a week on those days. I find myself waiting for her calls. I don't get, I don't get butterflies around her, but she does make me happy. Should I bring up how I'm feeling? I don't know. Why am I getting the vibe that it just feels like a close, meaningful friend? Listen, there's different ways of having love and romance. We can love our friends. And it sounds like you just really love your friend. We can have platonic crushes where we're not necessarily wanting sex or romance, but we really love being around them. I have platonic crushes on a lot of friends where I love my time with them, but I don't want to physically do anything sexual or romantic about it. And that's what I'm hearing here. And I think this is where it's important to talk about how diverse gender is and sex is, but also how diverse romance is. There's different kinds of romance. Like I said, it's not always romantic or sexual. Sometimes this this love and romance feeling is more platonic. You just enjoy them. You like being close to them. That's all I'm hearing. I'm not hearing you talk about attraction or lust or chemistry. You know what I mean? You're talking about just social compatibility and they've helped introduce you to the world and you've done things with them. Also, the most stable relationship we can have with people is platonic. The moment we fold in romance, it actually tends to make things more fragile and complicates them. Shouldn't be that way, but that's because of the way we tend to romance. We do it in kind of a toxic monogamous driven way versus romancing and forming romantic relationships like we do with our friends where it's more loose and open and free. Instead, we tend to grasp and and set limits and all of a sudden we find other people threatening. It's a very strange thing that we force. But being their friend gives you more longevity and sustainability. It's more grounded. And that's all I'm hearing. And so 
Date other people. Maybe that's what you need to be doing. And that might actually give you more data and information. Get out there and start trying to date and have sex with other people. And you'll feel maybe drawn towards that. And it'll really place this person in your life in a more solid way. Or you'll realize, no, I want that with them. Ah, okay, well then, thankful I did that because it made me realize I do have more romantic, sexual-driven kind of love for them, you know? But what I'm hearing from the door is just that you love them as a friend, you know? Let that be enough. We don't always need to take more. Sometimes if some level of intimacy feels good, we're like, oh, well then even going more deeper would feel better. No, sometimes things are meant to be where they are and they're, they're great because of the limits. You know, turning a friend into a, a romantic partner isn't always the good idea. Sometimes it's better to keep them where they are. Even long distance relationships, sometimes they're meant to exist with some distance and space, you know, the perfect formula. So again, don't push it beyond what's working. Don't assume because the levels you have are there that you need more and go out and explore with others. And then you can compare and contrast and it'll help you understand the different levels of lust and sexuality and romantic interest, you know? But we just have to keep understanding that there's more options than just friend or romantic partner, right? And there's things that are gray area and things in between. There can be some movement. So just allow it to be what it is. It sounds like all your needs are met. So don't push for more. Don't make it more than what it is. Just love them and be happy. You know, and also <clears throat> what a great person to have had in your life to go through COVID with. These kinds of relationships are part of what helped us thrive and get through. So be thankful for that. You know, I'm glad you have this person. But don't always have to push for more. There's something about that in our culture, this idea of well, what's next? Where's it going? What's the label? And it's like, not everything needs that. Sometimes things can just be where they are as they are. And that's sometimes what muddies it up and makes it actually not work is when we complicate it with that. Well, what is this? What are we? Oh my God, breathe. Let it just be. But that's that capitalism folding in. It's got to be productive. It's got to be optimal. It's got to be efficient. It's got to make sense. We need a label. No, we don't. Just be in it. All right, y'all. That is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page in the DMs and uh, question the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. We're not doing that every night, but we're still doing it. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, go on over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and my little face. Click on it and they're all there. Hope you guys spend your weekend rooted in tons of self-care, a lot of joy and pleasure, and as much rest as possible. And we'll be back on Monday night. Um, now's the time to plan out the weekend to be centered in your mental health and not just kind of let it slip away and get carried away. You know what I'm talking about? Because that happens to all of us, especially in these busy, busy, wild, wild times. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night.